0: That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
3: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Javier Hase. He is Manning Director at Benzinga Cannabis. We're going to talk to him about the world of cannabis. We're going to talk about the world of media. We're going to talk world of events. Uh, Benzig has been a real leader in the space of gathering folks in different ways uh, around different topics, around different issues, uh, to really help grow the cannabis space. Really help get the right people in the room to kind of make things happen, make deals happen, and uh, it's just—I think—it's a fascinating part of the whole cannabis industry. You know, getting, growing these businesses, getting capital, getting senior talent, you know, getting the right kind of folks in the room to actually grow this market is a bit of a challenge, and. The events have been huge. Obviously, the the pandemic has been a challenging part of this. I'm curious to see how that's played out for folks. But I know, really, since the beginning, you know, four, five, six years ago, when I got involved in cannabis, the events were where it happened. Right? It was really where you got to know people. You really got to hear what was going on firsthand, uh, develop the relationships. And so, it's a big part of the industry. It will be a big part of the industry going forward. And I'm curious to see kind of what the plans are. where it's going to go and hear a little bit about Benzinga. So with that, Javier, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and for that wonderful, wonderful introduction. You know, I, I feel obliged to say all oh, shocks, right? You know? <laughs> Good that I did my job.
3: Um, so be, before we get into Benzinga and kind of getting everything that's going on today, let's let's give a little bit of background. How? What was your background? How did you get involved in cannabis? How did you get involved in Benzinga? Give us the story.
2: Definitely. Well, um, my name is Javier Casse. I am originally from Argentina. This is where I grew up, where I was raised, where I live today. I got a job writing for US financial media when I was 22. Started working with Benzinga in the year 2014, I believe. And we started a cannabis practice up there that that was very, very successful. You know, to the point, you know, it grew editorially and it grew toward events and financial services. Nowadays, there's around 70 people at Benzinga touching cannabis-related initiatives. On, on the personal front, I, I've written for many other media outlets from Playboy to Forbes. I am senior contributor at Forbes nowadays. Wrote a book called Start Your Own Cannabis Business for Entrepreneur Media. Went on to be a bestseller on Amazon. And um, I am the CEO of Spanish language media outlet El Planteo, which is uh, funded by Benzinga. Another very, very fun, interesting venture that we have out there in, in Latin America. But, you know back to benzinga it's see you know cannabis is, is very important to us and we know that the cannabis industry really relies on our information for their daily decisions we publish more than 40 articles every day on cannabis related news so we really stay on top of all this it's you know it's it's one of our key missions is you know to to maintain everyone informed up to date up to speed and and really you know breaking news so that's a little bit about myself, you know, in the, the Cliff Notes version, if you will.
3: Yeah, no, that's great. And and I guess why why cannabis? Like why focus on this market? I mean, is this just, you know, a hot market? Is there something more interesting here? Like what's your kind of what's your interest in the cannabis field?
2: I mean, my interest in cannabis is is multifaceted. I, I really love the plant. I love what it implies. I am very committed to to racial and, and social justice. And I know that prohibition really pierces many of these topics and so does legalization. When it pertains to why I decided to dedicate my work, you know, and my life to cannabis, it honestly just came up as an opportunity in 2013 an editor asked me if I was willing to write about cannabis stocks and I was like, dude, this is the dream job. Will (laughs) someone pay me for this? And you know, it turns out they did. So it you know, it allowed me to to balance all the things I loved, right? You know, it just doing significant work and and working, you know, as a journalist and making a living of it, but also, you know, advocating for a cause I really, really care about, right? If you ask me, it's it's cannabis legalization and women's rights are definitely, you know, the, the two things I really care about the most in terms of social causes, you know? And, and some may say I'm wrong, some may say I'm right, but it's, you know, ultimately it's my prerogative. This is why I care what I care about. And so working in cannabis is a privilege for me and again it's you know the the famous double bottom line to me so enticing so appealing right the fact that that this is a job but it's also something that that really adds value to the world or or in a certain sense can help make the world a better place it's you know a very rare opportunity and also right like a very rare opportunity in terms of it being a a moment that that defines history right in in many ways yeah this is a decade that will define the history of of cannabis and modern medicine uh, for the foreseeable future and and potentially of finance and and many other aspects and facets of life
3: i'm curious so i mean you've been involved in this for a little while i think you mentioned 2014 was when you started getting involved in cannabis how have things played out from kind of a content point of view from an event point of view i mean what areas have you been focused on in the industry and how has that evolved over time?
2: I mean, uh, you know, honestly, the, if I had to, to choose one word to define it, it's like sophistication, right? Uh, in 2014, I was writing about cannabis stocks and it was it was all fun and giggles mm-hmm. and, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, there is... Yeah. You can, you can invest in marijuana legally, right? Yeah. Like, oh, pot stocks, you know, and, and, and yeah. all these puns. And like, even even at Benzinga, the first event we did for, for cannabis, I think, was 2013 or 2012. And it was called mm-hmm. Weed Stop. Yeah. which at the time we thought was clever. Very, very clever. <laughs> I still think it's clever. But honestly, you know, you know we, we've evolved a lot since, right? And nowadays, yeah. it's the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conferences. We've done... 13 of them, you know, in, in all across North America, and they've been insanely successful. And if you go there, it's, it's, you know, suit and ties and people doing business, like any other finance event, right? Yeah. So that is like the main change, right? Of course, the cannabis community and the movement continue to be grassroots in, in many senses, and, and that is very necessary. And I am one to defend all things related to, to legacy cannabis. But if you ask me what's changed, it's that, and right, that the world of finance does need or at least that is how it is, right? Like, you know, it's it's capitalism, it's it's finance, it's serious business, it's profitability. And of course, if in the process, you can support companies that do good, you know, most of them working in cannabis and especially companies that do good within cannabis, whether it's through social equity or through ESG initiatives or just being environmentally friendly or minority owned or women owned or whatever you want, right? But they're There are many opportunities to support businesses doing good that is something that to me is is so exciting right being able to reconcile investing with with doing good right there are ways where you can support good causes and help the world with your money while still making money right and yeah yeah, that again is, is an unprecedented opportunity in many senses
3: yeah, you mentioned the conferences have been quite successful. And, and I certainly would agree. What what do you think really has made them successful? Or, or what value do they bring to the market that has really driven their, you know, their importance and, and people's desire to attend? Give us some insight on, on what you hit in terms of, uh, you know,
2: key need. I mean, here's my thing, right? I, I am definitely biased here, right? But I'll try and, and remain as unbiased as possible. For many years, because I I managed, you know, the content side of of Benzinga and editorial and and our relationships, right? I I was never involved in in the logistics of of an event or sales or anything like that, right? Also to keep things separate, right? Ethically, it's important to have an editorial department that is separate from, from sponsors, et cetera, right? So every time I went to a Benzinga conference, I would basically show up as an attendee, right? Even though I was an insider, you know, I showed up the day of the conference or the day before the conference, and everything was kind of ready. And I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, dude, they did an amazing job!" Right? And every time I showed up, the, it was more high-level, you know, better organized. And honestly, it's it's something that has surprised me over the years, and I think that has made it very successful. Also, that you know, the networking and and every conference will promise great networking opportunities, right? But most of the time, I, I attend conferences and. And different fairs and you know expos and whatever and it's it's hard to find value it's hard to connect with the right people there's just too many people you know walking around just too many booths too many presentations and you you don't really know who's legit who is the right person to meet and you know what i've seen at benzinga events it's you know they're they're very well curated and and the opportunities for networking and connections are very good right so the, there's panels but there are also specific spaces for people to network and and specific networking tables and someone who will set you up with the right people right and and then like sometimes there are outdoor areas and there's always like a nice very nice lunch served right so it's you know you get good food and you sit down and you meet people right and even You know, our CEO, Jason Raznick, continually reminds people, you know, try and chat with someone you didn't know, right? Like, this is... The main thing behind the event, go in and meet someone. You never know what's going to come out. You know, sometimes you meet a partner. Sometimes you meet a vendor. You know, many people meet investors, right? You know, tens of millions of dollars have been raised at Benzinga conferences so far. And I think that does have a lot to do with the quality of the people there, with the fact that it's curated. And of course, with the fact that there's people dedicated to making sure that attendees and sponsors connect with the right people. So I don't know It's it's that, and again, it's fair to say I'm somewhat biased, but <laughs> yeah. you know when it regards to to the Benzinga team, I would feel I am the less biased because i am not actually putting together a logistics of the event and also because yeah. I attend so so many events all around the world and and every time i I show up at a benzinga event, I'm like whoa, this is this is next level and 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 they outdo themselves every time right every time i show up there's something new something better something is improved right i i, I know our, our upcoming conference in at the fountain blue hotel in miami well we're doing a psychedelics conference in, on april 19th and then 20th and 21st so april 20 and 21st it's a benzinga cannabis capital conference in miami and i know you know they added an expo for new networking spaces a vip space and it's yeah. just you know the fact that it's in in a, in a such a cool hotel and a cool location and they really go all out i think that that is you know they spare no expense in in making this a high level event right and yeah and that is you know the money is is well spent right they're not spending it on marketing or promos or stuff like that they're they're putting every last dollar to making the experience perfect for attendees right and and, and what you? i I feel comfortable recommending this to my friends right that is that is ultimately, you know, what what drives me to to be so impressed, right? All my yeah. friends down here in Latin America, you know, know it's it's a big expense to fly out to the United States and, mm-hmm. and get a a ticket for an expensive conference or or get a or sponsor a conference, and, and they ask me, is it worth it? And you know, these are my friends, right? They're not gonna sponsor me or anything, and I, and I am very confident to always say like, yeah, dude, just go check it out. Like you will yeah. not regret.
3: <laughs> yeah. Good investment of time and uh, time and money. I, I'm curious how things have changed over the years. I mean, you, you've been doing this for a while. You've done, it uh, sounds like almost 20 events now. And and what have what have been the trends or what how have things shifted or changed as the industry has grown, as the dynamics of the industry have, have evolved? Give us some of the trends or patterns that you've seen play out the last couple of years.
2: I mean, I think it's, it's kind of the same trend as we've seen in media and in the industry in general. Everything is becoming much more a lot more specific, right? Uh, the first conference were all about like, hey, you know, there's there is business to be made in cannabis, right, these are the opportunities. You know, What what's up with California, right? Now now we look at very specific markets and very specific forms of transactions, right? Uh, you know, is sale leaseback a, a, a good strategy, right? What is going on with REITs? Are there other ways to capitalize on investments in real estate uh, within the cannabis space, right? What, what are some of the trends in M&A that, that we're seeing? How is capital evolving, right? Uh, wh- why are, are all these institutional investors finally getting into the industry? What are they saying, right? All these things have, have changed enormously, right? First, uh, you know, The first few years, it was smaller numbers, a lot less people, right? More general topics. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're just informing. Everyone was, was kind of finding out that there was an industry and what, you know, the industry could be now that the industry is is mature. You know, the questions revolve around how do we solve very specific issues? How do we make the industry better? How do we ensure that we are fulfilling all these or living up to all these promises that we made around social equity and inclusion and and fixing or undoing some of the harms of the war on drugs, right? Uh, Because, you know, it's easy to, to talk a big game, but then it's in reality, what did happen was that the cannabis industry ended up being controlled once again by Anglo-Saxon Americans, if you will, right? <laughs> Not minorities. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to find it worth. That. Yeah. No. You yeah. know, I want to be careful with that. But my point remains. It's like you know, you look at ownership in the cannabis industry, and you know, African Americans and Latinos have mm-hmm. very low ownership levels. Women, are, which who once were more fairly represented in the c suites of, of cannabis companies are now highly underrepresented yep. right and and all like these are the kinds of discussions that we're having like what can we actually do versus at first it was just a promise that we would do it right and now it's you know okay, it's what needs to be done, right?
3: Yeah. I guess what's the, what are your goals with the conferences? I mean, I, I mean, obviously you're, you know, you're there to bring the companies together with investors and, you know, other folks that are involved in kind of the business building process and, you know, developing the market for this stuff, but beyond just facilitating transactions or facilitating kind of interactions, like what do you really hope to achieve with these conferences?
2: I mean, they're, really mostly about like thought leadership right about setting the tone for what the discussion will be in, in relation to cannabis business and finance throughout the year right and, and getting the right people together there are so so many conferences out there so many events out there and people increasingly need to to skip most events right you just can't be everywhere all the time and you can't just be gallivanting around the globe you need to actually do business right like your investors will want to see you at some events promoting the business, but ultimately, your investors will want to see you as CEO running your company and making it better, right? So, what we hope to achieve is, you know, set up the perfect environment for people to come over two, three times a year and and do all of their networking and capital raising, you know, in one sitting. That is how I see it, right? And and I'm sure you know different people. At have you have different objectives in mind in relation to this, right, both corporate and personal, right? For me, on the personal level, right, it's, it's a great place to meet new people, to meet new sources, to understand the trends in the industry, to understand where money is flowing, where money is missing, right? But ultimately, the, these conferences and events serve many diverse objectives, depending on what you're there for right some people go for the education right the panels other people go for the networking other people go for the capital raising other people just go to to figure out what they want to do right others go to identify investment targets right so it really serves many different purposes depending on who it is attending or who it is that is attending but also you know i think many of these solutions and offerings are tailored to the nature of the attendee, right? That is why if you go to the website, you'll see like different passes for different sorts of attendees, right? It's not the same if you're attending as an investor, as an entrepreneur, as a service provider, right? The offering is different in terms of, you know, what we think will be of value to you. And that is what the, the, you know, the, the team tries to deliver. And again, in my experience and in my opinion, incredibly effectively.
3: We're gonna take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And so what is, I'm curious how you kind of navigated pandemic. You know, I think everyone that involved in the event space obviously was was thrown off by it. I'm curious how, like how you maintained or, or what was sort of maintainable given that the cannabis market was still pretty frothy even through the pandemic but you know, the gathering, physically gathering wasn't happening. And then how do you see this as being like, are we back? Is are people, you know, full on doing events or is there any kind of hangover still from
2: pandemic? (laughs) I mean, so throughout the pandemic, right. uh, There's a few things to highlight. First off is of course, if, if Benzinga, Benzinga's business relied solely on events, It would have been a very tough year fortunately we have many different revenue streams and that was of course validated by the acquisition that benzinga you know benzinga was acquired only a few weeks ago at a 300 million dollar valuation by behringer capital a very well-known investment fund so of course you know throughout the pandemic we we continue to drive revenue through other verticals but also fortunately we were very effective and efficient in transforming our our in-person events business into a fully virtual events business that was not only broadcast but also offered a bunch of networking opportunities online and and they worked out very very well and you know one of the things that i see as a change is you know we we've gone we moved to a a hybrid model i think you know forever for most conferences right like following a, a pandemic like like the one we experienced people expect things to be streamed live streamed available online either way right So I think, you know, that that is one of the the major changes returning to to in-person events, however, was very, very cool. Uh, We did one late last year in New York City in Times Square at the Marriott Marquis, and it was awesome. Honestly, it was great to see people back in person. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really hoping, expecting that our upcoming Miami event on April 20 and 21st, we'll go back to seeing the the dimensions that we saw pre-pandemic and even more of course everything you know nowadays requires very strict protocols when it, when it when it comes to healthcare and you know vaccination status and stuff like that right we we always want to be careful that people are safe at any of our events we take all this very seriously right and and, and how we go at organizing in-person events right and and I think that is also something that really changed throughout the pandemic, right? People really value their time much more and and really think more carefully before hopping on a plane, going through an airport, going to a a gathering, you know, a big gathering of people. And what I'm hearing on the personal front is, you know, a lot of people are saving that that opportunity to go to the Benzinga event, right? Like I asked them, are you going to this conference? Are you going to this event? Are you going to this, you know? Even non-cannabis events, like very mainstream events. I ask them, are you going to this very mainstream event? And they go like, no, I mean, I really don't feel like, like seeing so many people. I'm saving myself for the Benzinga conference because I know like I go there for two days, three days, I spend three days in Miami and I, I accomplish most of my objectives.
3: Yeah. And and so what's the plan at this point? So what does 2022 look like 2023 in terms of the events that you're going to be focusing on topics, you know, formats, what what's kind of what's in your
2: pipeline? I mean, we're, we're, as you know, we're doing this, this cannabis event in Miami, we're also doing a psychedelics event the day before the Arcana's conference in Miami as well. In September, we'll be doing another cannabis event on the West Coast. In california and we'll also be hosting our inaugural benzinga cannabis awards there not 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 awarding flower or products not that that i don't love it right <laughs> but there's a bunch of those awards and these are yeah. awards focused on 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 business on on leaders on 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 on, on innovative leaders on on good m a strategy on good investment strategy on the best deals on change makers and people moving the industry forward, right? So that is a very exciting new development. Uh, of course, Benzinga also hosts other other events, you know, and, and, and for instance, you know, trading summits and and uh, our, our very, very well-known FinTech awards, right, in financial technology. So, you know, make sure to, to check out Benzinga events. There's, you know, benzinga.com slash events. You'll find all the information for different events. We, we do a bunch of them. And they're all very high level, right? That is, for me, you know, the the key here is you go and it's not a waste of time, which, you know, I find very often to be the case. Um, To me, that is the most valuable thing, right? People are busy. People need to to be careful with how they invest their money and their time. And their time is money, right? It's worth a lot. So it's not just jumping on a plane. It's not just getting a hotel. It's not just getting a ticket. It's the hours you invested, right? What's the return on that investment uh, of the many hours and the and the lost sleep and the travel and the not seeing your family for a few days? And and whenever I, I look back and, and, and try and balance, you know, and, and you know, balance the, the the results, I am very pleased, and and so are all the people I know, right? I think that is fundamental, you know. Yeah. We. Value time. Yeah it's, always,
3: yeah, it's always the time. I mean, I, you know, I'm charging thousands of dollars a day for clients, you know, so it's for me, it's not the, it's not the ticket cost, <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the lost opportunity I have that I could be making money or working with a client. So yeah, I always find that that's the real, you know, investment from things.
2: Even if yeah. it's resting, you know, it's, it's, it's your time that you're investing into something that needs to prove valuable it, in a way that's unique, right? That is not replicable, that cannot be found in your backyard, Right. I think that is that is key to to picking whenever you, you're you're going to attend an event, whenever you're going to do anything, you know, with your time or anything for your company, right? Is it worth investing my time and, and my energy into this, right? Will will it add value to myself or, or either for myself or for my business or for my organization, whatever your goals are, right? And, and for me, usually the answer for for business events is 100. percent. Yeah.
3: What are some of the um, topics that you see kind of coming up in 2022 or 2023? Like, where, what are the issues, things that you suspect are going to be, you know, part of these discussions, part of the conversations around the tables? What are the things that uh, you anticipate being kind of on the top of the list?
2: I mean, honestly, a lot of the conversation right now that I see uh, or that what, what I'm hearing is related to, for instance, valuations, right? And how markets have finally adjusted. Um, <laughs> yeah. We saw a big, Pretty long period of exuberance in in the cannabis industry of of equity valuations that were not necessarily justified by fundamentals. We saw a very big correction Uh, Mm -hmm. that was also, of course, some might say disproportionate. Others might say justified. But, you know, now we're seeing much more reasonable, if you will, valuations in line with uh, the wider markets. So I see a lot of that as a big discussion of course also in relation to this you know the, the the move from from equity financing to debt financing right the rise of debt as an instrument in the cannabis space not surprising to continue to to hear a lot of discussion around around banking right and financing in general Consolidation is always a a topic in discussion, right? For me, I am always obsessed with international markets. Um, The U.S. market is huge, right? The U.S. market opportunity is massive. Even the California opportunity is massive, right? And and I often hear people saying, oh, why would you focus solely on California? That is stupid. California is the eighth largest economy (laughs) in the world, (laughs) right? It's like it's as big as Germany you would never tell anyone like oh wait you launched a brand in Germany that is stupid it's like no it's not right but but it's also true that that many of these markets in the US are saturated it's also very true that producing cannabis in the US it's is extremely expensive and most of the times except where you can grow cannabis outdoors it's not particularly eco-friendly right so I am fascinated, by, by all international opportunities, I uh, I can't wait to see the day when 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 international cannabis trade is 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 fully functioning and regulated, right? Yeah. Uh, but but I see a lot of opportunity in Colombia. I see a lot of opportunity in, in other Latin American countries like Uruguay or Argentina or. Or Ecuador. Uh, Mexico, of course, will be a, a big market, right? Uh, Europe is, is has been overlooked for such a long time. And again, people tended to focus on, on Germany, but suddenly we're seeing so many other markets emerge. Fantastic opportunities in Africa as well, right? Yeah. You know, South Africa, Malawi, Zimbabwe, uh, all these different countries that are Lesotho, you know, suddenly producing cannabis and, and have much more ideal conditions to grow cannabis at much lower. Costs than you do in the US, right? So, for me, that is that is a a a very big a very big topic.
3: I'm curious. Do you see this as sort of being kind of there's the US, (laughs) and then there's the rest of the world? I mean, Mm -hmm. how divided, differentiated, segmented do you think this is going to remain, and for how long, and, and when? or or what what would the factors be that kind of really bring together
2: a global market? Here's the thing, as as a foreigner, right? I understand America, the US, as if it were the European Union, right? Especially for cannabis, right? It's the easiest way for me to wrap my head around this and help people wrap their head around why. How is it possible that if the U.S. is just one country, each state has such different regulations, right? And it offers so different possibilities, right? And it's, I think, you know, conceiving the U.S. in a certain way as each state being its own little country allows us to equate it to say the European Union. So, I mean. To a certain extent, the United States, I think, will continue to be its, its own unit, its own thing, right? Especially while cannabis remains federally illegal, but I see it as unavoidable, right? Like the move toward a, an international trade in the future, once cannabis is federally legal or some kind of equivalent, I see it as is, is unavoidable, right? And there's a few different factors to this. One is, if you look at every other industry, You'll notice that that the United States imports most of its, you know, of its basic inputs from other countries, right? Even, for instance, here's a good example. In California, California used to produce cut flowers in the '90s, right? And that all moved to Colombia and Ecuador because, of course, it was you know much cheaper, and you know much of the the infrastructure that was once used to grow and produce cut flowers is now used to produce cannabis. That is, in fact, the the story behind the origin of Harborside, according to Steve D'Angelo. Fantastic story for some other time. On the one hand, so I definitely see the market evolving toward that, but also we need to remember that American corporations tend to dominate on a global scale, right? So when you look at companies that nowadays are relatively American-focused, US-focused, even Curaleaf, right, has a strong European presence, but it's still very focused on the US, or GTI, right, or Trueleaf. I believe these large operators will become dominant players on the global scale, right? So, you know, soft power and, and financial power emanates from the US toward the rest of the world, and at the same time, lower cost inputs and basic materials flow from the rest of the world toward the U.S. and feed to a certain extent extent, the supremacy of these uh, very large corporations. So is the U.S. its own thing? It is. Is the U.S. isolated from the rest of the world as it pertains to how cannabis and the industry and trade will evolve? I don't think so, right? There is a middle point somewhere, but, but, but I do see, right. The American brands, like for example, cookies being everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. The new, the new Coca-Cola of cannabis. The current situation where, where everything is so fragmented cannot last for, forever.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Javier, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the events, what's the best way to get that information?
2: I appreciate so much, uh, you know, the opportunity and and the conversation, you can check out all Benzinga's cannabis news and psychedelics news at benzinga.com/slash cannabis. For cannabis events, you can check out bzcannabis.com. Again, bz, like bz, depending on how you say the z <laughs> for me instead, by the way, but bzcannabis.com. Uh, and you can find me personally, I'm Javier Hase on all social networks. Um, happy to respond to any questions you might have. You can also reach me at javierhase at benzinga.com. That is my email. <laughs> it's weird to say it out loud. I, I always <laughs> write it. <laughs> is that really it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yes, it is. That is my name. Yes, it is. Um, Sounds good. So, I mean, feel free to reach out, bccannabis.com. Come meet with us. Come meet Bruce as well. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a blast. Honestly, it's Miami. It's April. You know, it's what else can you ask <laughs> exactly. for than, than to, to, to 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 be able to make money, network, and talk cannabis by the yeah. sea. Yeah.
3: Like, it. Eh, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility too. I've been there m- many times, so.
2: You know, what is the real thing, right? What is the real time to live in where, yeah. where, where weed is a job, where, mm. where cannabis and suits and ties goes together, and where we're hosting a, a marijuana event at the Fountain Blue Hotel, right? You know, a, a, a hotel that is traditionally known for, you know, Frank Sinatra, and you know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's a new world.
3: It is. It really is. It really is. I'll make sure all the information in the show notes so people can get that. Encourage everyone to check it out. Javier, yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next
1: time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.